We're inching closer to the NBA draft. So let's take a break from previewing prospects and take a look at who the draft experts have the Pelicans taking later this month and what that tells us about the needs of the team. It's a mock draft roundup plus Robert Ori on the NBA Finals. It's the Friday episode of Locked on Pelicans. Let's go. You are locked on Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, and we're going to have a bit of a different show. We've been doing a lot of draft prospect previews this week alone. We've talked about Jeremy Sohan, AJ Griffin, among some others. I think these are really helpful. I've been enjoying these in the discussion in the comments down below on YouTube from them. But let's take a look at what people are who people are saying the Pelicans should draft. We're going to look at a bunch of mock drafts and see where the Pelicans have made their pick and who they took and what these draft experts, you know, think and what that tells us about the team. Plus in the third segment we got a clip from Robert Ori on our Locked On Today podcast. Seven-time NBA champion with a bunch of big shots. Giving you a little bit of insight into his career and some of the bets to make on the NBA Finals. So, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, Monday through Friday, breaking down things you want to know about the team. A ton of draft coverage for you all the past couple of weeks. We'll continue to have tons of draft coverage coming up. It's been fun talking about these guys as the Pelicans are in a rare position to be a playoff team and still have a top 10 pick. So let's take a look at a bunch of mock drafts. And I picked 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 from places that I trust, that I like, that I look at about what these picks are. So let's just kind of dive right into them. And I'll give you some of the numbers and kind of share my thoughts on some of these along the way. ESPN has them taking Benedict Matherin, a guy we've profiled here, a guy that everyone seems to really like, though I've started to cool off on him somewhat. I'm fine if the Pelicans take him. But I actually think there's going to be other prospects available at eight, depending on how this draft breaks out, too, that I think could be better. The Ringer has them taking Johnny Davis almost exclusively based off of need and fit and maybe a little bit less about Johnny Davis himself. Our Locked On NBA Big Board podcast and newsletter, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, one I trust a lot, Benedict Matherin as well. NBADraft.net has an interesting one, our first kind of curveball here, and that's A.J. Griffin, who we profiled in yesterday's show. The Pelicans need some more shooting. Certainly, almost everyone universally agrees with that. A.J. Griffin might be the best shooter in this draft. Then we get to the SB Nation mock draft, and this is a little bit of a crazier one that I've seen. They have the Pelicans taking Keegan Murray, a guy that I haven't profiled yet. We will touch on him next week. I don't expect that he's going to be there from Iowa. I think he's probably a lock to be a top six pick. I don't think he's going to be there at eight. They have A.J. Griffin going five and then Jalen Duran going seven to the Portland Trailblazers. I think that's too high for both of those guys. So this is the first mock draft that kind of gets that deviates a little bit from kind of what the experts are saying. After that, we've got the athletic. 
They've got Benedict Matherin going to the Pelicans. Shooting, 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 right? He seems to fit that mold of what people think the Pelicans need. Sports Illustrated, the like reanimated zombie husk of Sports Illustrated, I should say. Um, though the Jeremy Wood, their draft expert, is very, very good. So I don't want to knock him here. Has them taking Dyson Daniels. Finally, something a little bit different here. Dyson Daniels going eight overall to the Pelicans. We profiled him. I think he's the first guy we did because he's a name that is shooting up draft boards, in my opinion. And I'd be very interested in the Pelicans taking him, drafting him at eight, depending on who else is available. Tankathon, our favorite when it comes to lottery spins, things like that. They also have the Pelicans taking Dyson Daniels there as well, kind of following up on his rise up NBA draft boards with his pro day going well, his shot looking really good, the intangibles that he possesses, the size, the athleticism that he possesses, the ability to be a very complimentary piece early on in his career and kind of run an offense. I think that is definitely appealing for New Orleans. And then Bleacher Report, Benedict Matherin. So he's so far the leader for everything. Then we jump to Yahoo, Johnny Davis. They have him taking the the Pelicans, taking the guard right there. And then CBS has them taking Johnny Davis as well. So of those 11, there's only five guys that teams have, or that, that mock drafts have the Pelicans taking. Benedict Matherin out of Arizona, the wing. Four sites have the Pelicans drafting him. Johnny Davis, backcourt guard player, three sites have him coming to New Orleans. And you've got Dyson Daniels, kind of a point guard, but also a huge point guard playmaking wing, if you want to call him that too. Two sites have the Pelicans drafting him. You've got A.J. Griffin, who we, again, profiled yesterday, and I'm not too high on if you watch that show. One place. And then, of course, Keegan Murray dropping in a mock draft SB Nations to the Pelicans at Eight. And look, I'll tell you this right now. I don't, I don't expect Keegan Murray to be there. If he's there at eight, the Pelicans should take him. There is no doubt in my mind the Pelicans should take him at eight. And we'll do a draft profile on him next week for you to know exactly why. I also want to try and do a live show next week too. And also, before we wrap up this segment, I posted it on Twitter. Reply to it kind of in the next day or so because I'm going to start picking some people for it. Let's do a, Pelic- a Lockdown Pelicans community mock draft. If you want to participate, reply to that tweet and I will DM you if selected. I think we're going to end up with too many people now, which is fun, which means we can do two of these or more of these. And I'm going to assign you a team and I'll let you know when you're up and who's been taken and what that board will look like. So that's going to be a fun thing. If you want to participate, shoot me a tweet, reply to that tweet because I'm trying to keep it all kind of easy. So we're going to do a community mock draft. We'll make a show about it too, which is going to be really fun. A lot of interaction with you. It's super easy. If you're nervous about this, all you got to do is if you get assigned a team, Pick a player when it's your turn and give me like a sentence or two why. Simple as that. It does not need to be hard. You don't need to be a draft expert. If you think you got a little bit of draft knowledge or you want to be involved, fun way to do it. We'll make it a little bit interactive. We'll probably turn it into a live show of sorts as well. All right, coming up. Benedict Matherin, Johnny Davis, Dyson Daniels, A.J. Griffin, Keegan Murray. Let's talk about that and what that tells us. These draft experts are looking at the Pelicans, what lens they're looking at them through, what it tells us, what they think about the team. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been asking and Built delivered. Built granola bars are here, and I already ordered these. They get delivered tomorrow, and I can't wait to give them a try. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate, peanut, 
peanut butter, chocolate, coconut, and white chocolate berry. And if you want to try all three flavors, you can get a mixed box right now over at Built.com. And they're so different from the bars and puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. And just like the bars and the puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With only 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. And they've cracked the code to better granola. And they're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch or take on the road whenever you need something. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of additional health benefits. I eat a Built Bar every single day. I have one for lunch. That's what I like. It fills me up. That protein's great for me. I've been working out more. I'm down a bunch of pounds, looking better, feeling good. And Built Bar is a big part of the, the reason for that. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars. Three delicious flavors to try. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate raspberry. Don't miss out. you got to get yours today. Go to Built.com and get the Built Granola Bars. Now, I already did. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's the promo code that I use to spend my own money on these things. I like them so much. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at Built.com. All right. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're having a lot of fun here covering the draft. Going to do a community mock draft, mock draft roundup here. Player profiles. We're going to have a whole lot more and some live shows involved in this as well. So now I've got an important and quick favor to ask. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey to get started. It's going to take a couple of minutes. And everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. I'll be able to see you at a Pelicans game that way. So go take our Locked On Podcast survey. LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Look, we had someone who just commented on YouTube saying, like, why do you listen? And it was because Jake is awesome. You don't need to be that enthusiastic, though I'm not going to complain if you throw that in there and send a message to the bosses here. But Lockdown Public does well. Let them know and let them know what you like about the show, what you'd like to see differently. This is your way to influence the type of content that you're going to get. So it's LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. All right, we are doing a mock draft roundup here. We just went over the the sites that I trust that I like and who they picked for New Orleans. And I think some of these are a little bit out of date. These are going to get changed. You know, people tend to do three, four versions of their mock draft as you kind of refine it in the week leading up to the NBA draft. But it gives you an idea of kind of what people are thinking New Orleans needs. So first and foremost, that comes out of all of this, right? It's a wing or a guard. That's it. They're, they're not looking at any other positions for New Orleans. It's basically wing and backcourt depth, and that's it. Shooting, right? A little bit of playmaking, something like that. They're looking at this team going, they're kind of set in the front court. Zion's going to be back. Valanciunas, very underrated, and I think he's underrated defensively too. But they're not looking for a big man at this spot for New Orleans. They're not looking for a rim protector for New Orleans at this spot. They're going with a guy who can shoot and is a little bit multifaceted for the most part. They're going for fit, it seems like, a lot of the time. And it's kind of the right combination of fit and ceiling. You know, they're not going for kind of boom or bust. They know where New Orleans is. They're in the postseason. They need complementary players more than anything else. And I kind of like this, right? It's not like hitting singles in the top 10. I, I dislike when people say, you know, if you draft 
This is my chair is really squeaky today. If you draft, you know, for need and things like that, you, you don't get the draft. I hate that kind of condescending mindset that freezes a little gatekeeping mindset and things like that. I think there's multiple approaches to the draft and it really does depend on your team and somewhat where you're picking. In the draft in front of you, this is not an overwhelmingly amazing draft from top to bottom like some of the other ones have been. So I think you can draft for fit, for need, and just get a solid basketball player that makes a lot of sense for your squad. And don't overthink it. Get good players and win games. It's what the Memphis Grizzlies have done, right? Going sometimes to that high ceiling guy that's raw and needs a lot of work doesn't always work out. Jackson Hayes, nice, but not amazing, right? He should be better than he is right now for the eighth overall pick from three years ago, going into his fourth season. So sometimes it's just to be said to get solid players, even if they're not going to project to be all-stars. I don't see an all-star in Benedict Matherin's future. I do see a ready-to-go NBA role player who could contribute right away. And if he maxes out as as your sixth man or your fifth starter, it's fine. You need guys like that, especially when you have the other pieces in place. New Orleans is not necessarily looking to draft the replacement for Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram right now because they don't need to. And their focus right now is on getting better. I think they can also look a little bit more long-term than they have in the past. And some of the players that they pick in this, I think, fits that, right? I think Benedict Matherin has a high ceiling. So does Dyson Daniels. So does Keegan Murray, too. But Johnny Davis, I think, is more of kind of like a win-now-esque kind of player. He's going to slot in. He'll give you defense in the backcourt. And we're going to talk about him on Monday. Is he going to give you a ton of scoring? No. Is he going to give you some mid-range? Yeah. Make life difficult for other teams? Yeah. Will he be able to compliment a guy like CJ McCollum? Absolutely. Is he going to be an all-star? Never. Never will he be an all-star in the league. Will he be a solid player for a long time? I think so. And I think that's a reason to draft him. Just get good players on your team on cheap rookie deals. And so when I look at these mock drafts, I see a lot of people doing that for New Orleans. It might not be the approach I go, and we're doing a locked-on NBA mock draft right now with all of our hosts. I already made the pick. I'm not going to spoil it for you just yet. It might not be the direction I go, but I don't really have a problem with that. And while I don't love Johnny Davis as a prospect, he's going to be a good player. So adding a guy like that to the team, I think is just smart. And that's what New Orleans needs to do right now. Make smart moves. Make smart moves. Whatever that might be, whatever that might look like, if it's kind of looking towards the future further down the line with Dyson Daniels because you know your rookie that you draft at eight isn't going to contribute right away to the team, cool, or isn't going to need to and doesn't really crack the rotation, that's great. If you want to just get solid basketball players on your roster and be as good as possible, as deep as possible right now, Johnny Davis is a move with that. So is Benedict Matherin too. And maybe Matherin kind of strikes the right balance of helps you now, And it has a ceiling in the future to be a good, solid player. And again, shooting, shooting, shooting certainly has been an issue for New Orleans. So getting a guy in Matherin who is, you know, could project out to be a 3 and D wing, be a secondary playmaker for you, though I don't quite see that from him, I think can be a useful thing. Worst case is right now you put him on on the perimeter and he shoots a bunch of threes and hopefully makes them. There's nothing wrong with that. So I kind of like the way that these mock drafts have gone and it kind of speaks to the position that New Orleans is in. And what people are thinking they should do in the kind of conventional wisdom wisdom around them. And let me know in the comments down below. Do you agree with some of these picks? Is there anyone that's like, no, definitely don't do it? Is that AJ Griffin? Is that Johnny Davis? Or are you thrilled about the Johnny Davis pick? 
Are you thinking that New Orleans needs to go with more of a win-now guy, or should they think a little bit long-term and try and get a guy who's really going to start hitting his stride in three years and has an all-star future potentially for him? Let me know in the comments down below. So we're going to take a break from the draft. The NBA Finals started last night. I'm recording this before that, but it started last night. And we've got Robert Ori, pretty fun player, big shot Bob here, on our Locked On Today podcast, giving you some insight into it and talking a little bit about his career. Which of his big shots is his favorite, which was actually a really great question. And it comes to us from the Locked On Sports Today podcast. So get the news, analysis, and opinion before anyone else with the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Locked On Sports Today covers the biggest stories from around the sports world without taking up all of your free time. Start your morning going beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts over at the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Podcast. You can hear me on there pretty frequently talking about the Pelicans too. So let's play that clip coming up for you here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. The Golden State Warriors are minus 150, the favorites in the NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics. Joining me now, Robert Ory, seven-time NBA champion, is here courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for all the up-to-date lines on the NBA Finals. Finals MVP, finals props, and each and every game line. This is great to have you here. Why do you think, because the line has moved a little bit in, in the Celtics' favor, why do you think there are people that like the Celtics' matchup against the Warriors? Because the smart people know defense wins championships. Mm. And if you look at the Celtics' team, they got two players on that team that made the all-defensive team. You know, smart, of course, defensive player of the year. But Robert Williams is one of those guys that is an eraser. He can block shots. He can, you know, you know, he can erase a lot of mistakes that you make on the perimeter. And you think about it, you got Brown, Tatum, and Smart, who can get up on people defensively and funnel them to that guy. Next thing you know, it's getting blocked. And if you look at the way, you know, Harford has been playing, he's turned back the hands of time. He's blocking <laughs> shots again. So if you, overall, I think that the, the, the Celtics is a better defensive team than the Warriors because even though you have Draymond Green, Green, Clay Thompson is not the Clay Thompson of old who can do the things he used to be able to do. And, and so I just think that's, that's a big key for them, for the Celtics, that is. How do you see Defensive Player of the Year Marcus Smart matching up with, with Steph Curry? Is that going to be something where you see that Marcus is going to pick him up 94 feet? Like, how do you think Smart is going to approach that assignment if he does get that assignment, which we assume he's going to? But you know what? I don't think it's going to be a one-man job. If you look at the Celtics, they one, two, three are all athletic guys. And you go to the two, Jalen, and go to the Tatum, they get taller. You know, it's like, yeah. like the bars on the cell phone. And I think even though they like to do a lot of switching, I think they're, they're, they're perfect for this matchup. It's a perfect matchup for the, for the Celtics and when they got the guard. And because, you know, Clay is going to be constant moving. And so, sort of, you know, not the same as a Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero. But I think this, what they just did against the Heat, is like a, a, a prelude to a preclude to what they're going to do. And so I think they're going to be fine defensively switching and getting ready for Steph. It sounds like you like the Celtics in this one. You know, a lot of my Laker fans are going to be mad at me because they said you cannot <laughs> wear anything green. You can never root for the Celtics. I'm not rooting for the Celtics. You know, I, I would like to see my former teammate. Emil Duco win his first championship, you know, so I would like for that to happen. But, you know, I just think being the basketball mindset, I just think that there, there's a good chance the Celtics could win this thing. All right. So we have some odds here. 
Celtics in six is plus 375. Celtics in seven is plus 650. If people are going to bet on it, what is what is your prediction if you like Boston? Six, seven? Hey, you know what? If you, you're trying to make some money, right? <laughs> that's why you that's why you gamble. And so I would go with the Celtics in seven because I think the Celtics have been a battle-tested team on the road. They've won a lot of games on the road. They just won the Eastern Conference on the road. And so I think they're ready. I'm not saying everybody will say, well, the, you know, the Heat is a different monster than, you know, the Warriors and blah, blah, blah. But I still think it all boils down to having confidence and playing well on the road and, and believing that you can win on the road. There has also been this discussion now, especially among Celtics fans, about what this Celtics team has had to face, what, particularly who had Jason Tatum has had to face. Kevin Durant in the first round, Giannis Antetokounmpo in the second round, Jimmy Butler on a heater, no pun intended, for Miami, and now... Steph Curry, you're talking about at least three Pantheon guys, guys who are all-time great players. Who do you think has the most on the line legacy-wise in this series? For whom would that one title, you won seven, who would that one title mean the most for? You know, I'm, I'm going to go off script a little bit, and, and I, I'm going to stop people from thinking this is going to be the greatest run ever by the Celtics. That's not true, because you got Hornet set, Carmelo. You got Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley. You got Dennis Rodman, uh, MVP, David Robinson. You got Shaquille and Penny. Now, that is the greatest run in, back in 95. So when people say this might be the greatest run, stop it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because all these teams was 50, you know, 55, 50-plus 50 win teams. And so I just think if you, if you look at this game and you have to pick an MVP, you know, of course, it's, it's going to be it Tatum. But this run that the Celtics are on is incredible. You know, don't get me wrong because they've been able to win on the road, which is key because you have to run on the road in order to win championship. That's if, unless you have home court advantage, you protect your home court. But I just think overall, when you look at the makeup of these two teams, they're similar. You know, go to state wars. They were the Celtics six, seven years ago when they first entered the playoffs. And nobody thought they could win a championship. Next thing you know, they win a championship. In the following season, they win all these games and don't win a championship. And then they get KD and they win two more. But I think if you look at the Celtics, there are so there are so many similarities with these teams that people are always going to say, oh, let's go with the veteran leadership. Let's go with the fan favorite and Steph. You know, this thing, this thing about it, because everybody wants Steph to win because we know he got robbed one time with the MVP in the finals. And then he's take, he took a step back and let KD come in to his team, which is Steph team, and take two MVPs. And so I, 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 I do think Steph has a lot to prove, and his legacy is on the line when it comes to this because, you know, all the chatter now is about him not having an MVP in the finals, which we all know he was robbed of one, so let's, let's be real about that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at these MVP odds as you're talking about the MVP and, and we expect Curry and Tatum right at the top in terms of the odds. You're not getting really good value there. I'm looking at Jalen Brown, 10 to one. Yeah. I'm looking at Draymond 22 to one. Like if he really turned it up defensively, people forget in that game seven against the Cavs, he had a triple double in that game. He was the best warrior on the floor in that game. I'm looking at Marcus smart at 40 to one. It seems like you you can get some good value and we've seen, including in this Warriors run, that it's not always the stars who win these finals MVPs. It's true. You know, for me, if if I wanted to take the odds, I'm, I'm going to eliminate the top three automatically. And I don't I don't think Clay is, you know, you know, Clay is a game five, game six type of player. But 
Me, I would go with Andrew Wiggins. If I had to mm. pick someone with the odds, I would go with Andrew Wiggins, who was 20 to 1. And think about it. He has started to come into his own. Yeah. He, after that dunk on, <laughs> on Luca, all of a sudden, this dude is smiling big. He's, he's enthusiastic. He's playing hard. And he's an all-star. You know, I think some people forget he was an all-star. I think this is a good way in the biggest stage to show everybody that the all-star uh, committee didn't make a mistake. So if I had to take all the, cause I don't think Draymond Green, he don't shoot, he doesn't shoot enough and he's going to have to guard too many people. So he's going to be all over the board that. So if you look down that list of people and you want to say oh, odds maker for me, I would take Andrew Wiggins 20 to one. That is, I, I mean, that, that's bold. I love it. Uh, I think you're right that, that he, he seems to be a different player just in the Warriors, just in Golden State. He seems to have been unlocked a little bit, whether that's Steve Kerr, whether that's just him feeling more comfortable or talking about legacy. And you have been on some teams that have gone on these multi-year runs that have been what we, we might consider dynastic, right? There have been some discussions here. If the Warriors win one, that because it's the Clay, Steph, Draymond core with Steve Kerr, that this has to be considered part of the Warriors run and that we have to call them a dynastic team. Where do you fall on that discussion? If they win one, are they a dynasty? You know what? It's, it's, I will put them in that category as a dynasty. <clears throat> you know, if you, if you, because they was riddled with injuries right? two years, Clay was out and Steph went out. You know, you, you say, okay, we'll give them, we'll give them a Phil Jackson asterisk by those two years. But if they were to get back to the mountaintop and win this year, I, I would put them, you know, you got one more step to be a dynasty. And then if they go to the finals again, then I would give them a dynasty. But, you know, think about this. They gave us a dynasty in the Lakers. We won three in a row. And next thing you know, they dismantle the team. They go back and lose. It's considered a dynasty. So, you know, if you, to me, there's only been, you know, three dynasties in this Bulls, the Celtics, and the Lakers because they're in a situation where they went six plus championships. You know, I, I, that's what you look at. But in this day, in this era, you can give them a dynasty. I think, I think you, I, I, I would, I would consider the Spurs, the Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich Spurs in that mix, but they never won back to back titles. And so it depends on how you want to qualify it. Sustained success, not always enough. I, I think if you're a Boston fan, you're going, why can't we have that sustained run? We've got these two young superstars, Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, who's coming into his own a little bit defensively. It seems like they've unlocked some things with him as their pure point guard in initiating offense because he doesn't have to create for everyone. They've got Tatum and Brown who can create for themselves. I mean, this, what, what do you think the chances are that they could be not the next dynasty, but the next team that you have to deal with in the Eastern Conference? Like, okay, they're going to be there every year until further notice. You know, I, I think you look down that line and you says, okay, Tatum, first team, Max, Brown, Max, Smart, Max. These are super Max contracts these guys potentially can get. So right. now we're, you know, if you, since I cover the Lakers, the Lakers got $40 million guys, three forty million guys, they can't get nobody else on the team unless they do some hell of a drafting, you know, and, and they get those guys that's going to be there. But it boils down to payday, man. If you're going to stick around and get paid or you're going to have that one falter and say, oh, you know, we didn't win a championship. We need to make a move because, you know, they exported us in this area. We need to get someone in. And they trade one of those guys. You know, people do dumb things like that. Well, GMs, I should say. So I think they have the potential to make a long run. This is going to have to stick together, 
and do what a Tim Duncan would do and say, you know what, I'm going to take less money. So you can sign a Tony Parker, you sign a Manu Ginobili. But are these guys now, you know, selfless enough where they say, hey, you know what, I don't want to make $40 million, I make $30 million. You know, I, I don't think so. I think every, now, every guy now is trying to get their bag so they can say, you know what, at one point in my career, I was making 50, 40 million, whatever it may be. So I don't, that's going to be the key though. It boils down to money. If they can keep that team together. All right. Not a finals question, but I can't talk to big shot Bob and not ask you this question. Which of your big shots is your favorite? You know, um, I grew up a Lakers fan, a huge Magic Johnson fan. And one of my biggest thrills before I even made it to the NBA, I got to play one-on-one with Magic when I was being scouted by the Lakers coming out of college, coming out of University of Alabama. So the shot I made against the Sacramento Kings in 2001 to win that game is probably my favorite. And I, don't get me wrong, I love what I did in Houston. I love what I did in San Antonio. But everything I did in, in San Antonio was on the road, game five on the road. But this was at home in Staples Center. And the ego comes into play where you want to hear that crowd chant your name, man. And you run off the court and the crowd's still chanting your name. You're in the locker room. You can still hear them chanting your name. So I think that shot, it, it, it takes over all the other shots just for the ego. You know, we are all as athletes got some type of ego. And I think for me, that just takes over because I had the Laker fans chanting my name. They weren't chanting Shaq. They weren't chanting Kobe. They were chanting Ori. So that's a big plus for me. Right, that's going to do it for this episode of Lockdown Pelicans. This week of Lockdown Pelicans, thank you all so much for listening, for watching. Don't forget, tell a friend about the show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do it on Spotify now. And down below on YouTube, we'll be back Monday. Johnny Davis, I want to get into him a little bit. I wanted to get into some of these other guys too. Keegan Murray. And don't forget community mock draft. Tweet me. Reply to that tweet. Please reply to the tweet. So that way I kind of have it all in one place. And I'll start assigning teams and see if we can knock it out this weekend and maybe do a show on that next week as well. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with y'all on Monday.